Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, welcome to the Cult of the Collective Commentary, featuring Dave A.C. The Sixth Randall Four. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Yes, I'm just sitting, sitting down to admire some artwork. I just sent uh, Mr. Dave A.C. out to uh, fetch me the crown jewels. There's no Dave A.C. here. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just an actor here to portray him. I'm just a, a figment of your imagination. Oh, if only that were true. If only that were true. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll have to send somebody else. Uh, um, Mr. Randall Thor, would you mind getting me some jewels? Well, I'm not, I would do that, but I'm here contemplating our final problem here, Ian. I need a solution. Mm, well, there's only one person I can suggest, and that's the mastermind behind the whole thing. It's Mystery M. Hello, Megan. Hello, dun dun dun. <laughs> she's stealing my lines already. It's only her commentary. She's already stealing my dun dun dun. See, next it'll be the you know, Colton Collective Commentaries with Mystery M. And I'll be just sitting on my own. Anyway, we digress. If we don't get this started, it'll be fall. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. All these clues are leading to the Reichenbach Fall. The last episode of Series 2 of Sherlock. And we're here to spoil it all for you by talking all over the top of it. And occasionally my wife will say something. Boing. Boing. Everybody all together. Boing. 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 <laughs> we have our own meme. All right. Without any further ado, if everybody has their official BBC copy of Episode 3, Series 2, Sherlock, The Reichenbach Fall, at the ready, we shall begin. Is everybody ready? Indeed. Yep. Ready to fall over here. <laughs> Uh, fall over laughing. Yes! Fall right. over, was he pushed? <laughs> In five, four, three, two, one, play. Ooh. It's rated already? Come Very on. serious, but. He's got his serious face on. We're opening with the same two characters the very first episode yes. opened with. I'll briefly, briefly cover uh, Tanya Moody, who plays Ella. Uh, we'll see her in the clinic. Holby City, the body farm. And, of course, back in 2008, she was in Casualty. Casualty! Uh, the other way right in the beginning. Now we're good. <laughs> okay, of course, this, The Reichenbach Fall, is an adaptation of the Sherlock Holmes story, The Final Problem. And I was rereading 
the, the earlier this week in preparation for this, and the story starts off very similarly to this. It's, there's not a therapist session going on. It's Dr. Watson writing in a, a letter, writing in his narration about uh, how Sherlock has disappeared, has gone away, uh, and Sherlock has gone away from the world. And So it opens in the same way. We get the same revelation. And here we are at the title sequence. Lovely. Yay. I've just been uh, running the uh, marathon round there today. So it's nice that both of them open the same way. So have you finished it, or are you close to finishing the final problem? I'm about three-fourths of the way through it. I got sidetracked with other things. Life gets in the way. Well, it's kind of like spoilers then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. implying I've never read it before. Painting. Oh, time travel. It, it seems to be a thing that happens in all three of these episodes for series two. They sort of start off with montages of <laughs> different or different cases, and here we go with another montage. Nice oh, look, it's Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Well, actually, I could. I just didn't want to. Shut up. Let's <laughs> try. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, here we go with the hat. Beer stalker. Very happy. Oh, nice switch. And another part of the original story, the final problem that's echoed here is Sherlock rising to fame more than he's ever been before. Which, uh, we'll see how that plays out. Mm -hmm. Why is it always the hat photograph? <laughs> Still a good deer with a hat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and there we go. Mm -hmm. Which throughout this episode, um, there's a lot of similarity with Doctor Who series six. Of course, same writers, basically, Moffat. Uh, who wrote this episode? This episode was written by uh, Steve Thompson, which I don't think he's written for Doctor Who yet. Right. Directed by Toby Haynes. Toby Haynes, okay. Yeah. But still, this is Mo Stephen Moffat in charge of this. So. Right. And there are a lot of similarities with Series 6 of Doctor Who here. In uh, actually, uh, he, Steve Thompson wrote Curse of the Black Spot. Oh, so he did write for Series 6, okay. And he wrote, uh, he also wrote uh, The Blind Banker. 
Okay, so okay, yeah. Not serious, so yeah. this is his return to, to Sherlock and uh oh. Series one and two have has the same three writers, Moffat, Gaddis, and Thompson. It's probably how he got the job on Doctor Who. Yeah, similar with with Gaddis and Doctor Who because just, of their their friendship. Oh, look what's on the my... ceiling! <laughs> I just meant. <laughs> Sorry. Bow Street Runners. He, he just did, he did just say the Bow Street Runners, right? Yeah, the Bow Street Runners. Yep. Oh, okay. Right. We're just coming up to uh we're coming up on six minutes, I'll give you a mark. In about five seconds we'll be there. Three, two, one, and we're at six minutes. Six minutes in and here is Moriarty. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Oh, sip of my wine. I didn't say I was drinking, did I? Nevado wine. It's a Cabernet Merlot from Chile. There you go. And I am drinking uh, a Telus Lodi Merlot. It's probably Californian. Yes, it is. It's it is Lodi in California. That I did not know. And I'm, I got some ginger ale. For this earlier today. Is it from California? Not from California. <laughs> well, Megan, what did you find to drink? Tea, hot tea. Ah. He seems to be a big fan of ginger, does Mike? Ginger companions? The Doctor Show <laughs> Ginger? <laughs> Implying I'm a fan of Amy. <laughs> Sorry. Which I'm not really. <laughs> Donna Noble, on the other hand, was a great companion. Yes, that she was. Oh, Matrix. The only proper ginge companion. Well, it's your own vault. <laughs> there goes his <laughs> Headless chickens come to mind. <laughs> I'm still not sure of the portrayal he does of this. I mean, obviously he's doing it as he was asked to, but... I mean, an Englishman chewing chewing gum, I mean, it's just not on. <laughs> Hello? There's just way, way too many people in this for meeting. <laughs> it's like every time we focus in on somebody, they snap over to somebody else. So maybe I'll try and cover some people at the end. I'm just going to enjoy it, I guess. <laughs> There's a beef eater. Uh, 
one thinks Mycroft might be thinking he's a bit daft letting him out. Yeah. <laughs> as he did at the end of last week's episode. I would imagine that glass should be a lot tougher than that. Because that shattering glass, it should actually be laminated. Yeah. So, so no matter if the glass breaks, it stays in place. That's supposedly at the Tower of London, right? Supposedly, yeah, that's the premise. I didn't even think they kept the real ones there. I thought they were all replicas. <laughs> I'm trying to remember whether they're doing it. I'm sure if I was to get my skates on, I'd find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm noti noticing the, the, the sort of end joke here with uh, M Martin Freeman in a bathrobe with a towel. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Arthur Dent. <laughs> nice That's one. Fun. Uh, <laughs> didn't notice that before. I believe now, now, anyway, when you actually go to see the crown jewels, you're actually on like almost like a little treadmill walkway uh, because you can't sort of have as long as you want. You virtually get it, you're on a moving. Uh, little platform so that it takes you like 30 seconds to pass in front that way they can get like 5,000 people past them in a day snipping along this I mean as far as time goes uh, you know here we have him solving a couple of crimes then we've got this crime and now I'm assuming months have passed uh and now he's going on trial because nobody just goes straight from the prison right into the, the courtroom. And this is similar to the, the final problem in which early on in the final problem, Sherlock comes to Watson and says that he and describes Moriarty. Of course, the final problem is the only Sherlock story in which Moriarty appears. It's when we first meet him. Uh, and last time we see him, uh, Sherlock says that he has this plan to find Moriarty and that he'll have him caught in his web in three days on the following Monday. And uh, that's what this is similar to right here. And at that same point, we get the, the meeting between Mor Moriarty and Sherlock that we see later on. And apparently, yeah, this, Again, similar to the story. Apparently, they are the real ones that are there since it's probably safer than anywhere else they can put it. <laughs> Really? I didn't think I thought I didn't think they'd keep well, on I'm, public. I'm, I'm now checking a second source just to be sure. Gosh. Yeah. Dave's always always hitting the source. <laughs> Interesting music on in in this um this part. Rackham back here. <laughs> Uh, reporter one, two, and three there. Uh, reporter one is Samantha Holly Bennett. Uh, reporter two is Peter Basham. And reporter three is Rebecca Noble. Well, this is far too much reading to find out this. Go and find out yourself, listener. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I've seen in that movie database. Uh, Peter Basham actually uh, was in uh, Inception as the uh, Jack Captain. 
He hasn't done an awful lot, but he managed to get himself an inception. And also, if you've been keeping up with our Colton commentaries, this is not the first time you've seen a show with this that song. Sinner Man by Nina Simone was also used on a Life on Mars episode mm-hmm. during the end credits. Oh, who do we have here? Yes, we have Catherine Parkinson. Uh, known to uh, all of us on this uh, show, including my wife, uh, from the IT crowd. IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also been in Psychobell. Whites, and uh, my wife and I also know him, uh, know her from Doc Martin. She played Pauline Lamb. Unfortunately, she has also left that to, um, and of course, the IT crowd has been cancelled, which is a shame. But she now is in uh, TV series, The Bleak Old Shop of Stuff, as uh, con- uh, comes conceptiva. Not heard of that show. We have to look it up. And I'm, I'm not going to spend any more time on this. It, it, it may it may well be that they actually are ambiguous about whether they are the real ones or not. Mm. Riley, Prince of Spies. <laughs> mm. I think she's a groupie. <laughs> <laughs> She's a redhead, right? Mike, what do you think? She wouldn't make a bad Doctor Who companion, actually. No, I agree there. But yeah, I, I miss the IT crowd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was actually talking about that with some people at work. Who... I mean, smart. You can't even find the lady's toilet. She. <laughs> <laughs> At first aired, of course, 15th of January, this episode, 2012, 88 minutes long, slightly down on the viewing figures from Barb, uh, 7.9 million. Uh, that's down from uh, 8.8 million for the first part and 8.2 for the second one we talked about last week. Let me think of another date. <laughs> I'm just... Well, then. At least no uh, wag has put the blindfold over the uh, scales of justice. <laughs> well, I like... Oh. I'll, I'll cover the cast after this because this is just too fun. <laughs> Quick question here, Dave. They don't use gavels in UK courts, do they? That's just something so. they did for for a dramatic effect on this, didn't they? No, they, I mean, there are high courts and so on where okay. they wear the wigs. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of courts won't be. They'll be much more informal. But the, this is more like an assizes court, I think. Um, so once they're in formal so regalia, I'm sure they would use the wig. Okay. Well, not the wig, but the gavel, the hammer. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, but what I mean is, it's when when they're in sort of quote unquote fancy dress, then they use all the accoutrements that go along with it. Okay. Okay. Oh, as you were talking there, Sherlock 
was describing um, Moriarty as a spider and mentioning the web, his his web and knowing the quiver of every string. That's pretty much a verbatim from the final problem as Sherlock is describing Moriarty to Watson. Not in the court. That's as Holmes was talking to Watson. So nice bit of dialogue lifted straight from the source. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to keep myself in check during these. Uh... Yeah, is that yeah. one of your excuses? Yeah, I've been light under a bushel, and not <laughs> under my boing. Yes, boing. <laughs> <laughs> Right, the judge there played uh, by Malcolm Rennie, who Dave may have seen in Highlander, the series. Oh, that shot right there is oddly composed. Yeah. Of them, wasn't it? Took me a while to figure out exactly what they were doing there, because they're not in adjacent cells. Yeah. It's just a weird shot. Yeah. A lot of clever photography, though, and, and scenes set up. That collection of bats he's got there on the uh, fireplace. Like a giant bat. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a thing. <laughs> Sorry, this is the laugh track, obviously. Mm. We're certainly not going to underestimate him this time. Mm. Of course, in the courtroom scene, the prosecuting barrister was uh, Jay Griffiths. Defense minister was Ian Hallard. Strange. Yeah. <laughs> you can't chew in a British court. It's just yeah. not done. Nice. <laughs> And Ian Hellard, the uh, defense barrister, um, just uh, <laughs> uncovered a whole lot of stuff I didn't know, um, is actually the uh, the partner of Mark Gaddis. They've been, uh, they've been together since 1998, and uh, they married by civil uh, partnership in the spring of 2008. Oh, I didn't know he'd done that. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, he also featured as one of the voices on uh, The First Man in the, the Moon. It's Fi Ooh. He's also been in quite a number of things. Mm. 
Oh. Trimmeth. Not good see. To be honest, I had no idea that uh, that Margaris was gay. <laughs> Not that I ever gave it any thought before, but <laughs> it seemed to me whether whoever he was, he seemed to me almost a, a confirmed bachelor. You know, in his sort of attitude. No, I don't know from his mannerisms. I something very old-fashioned a... about Margaris. Yeah. That's like his. It's doing the the first man on the moon and and his historical uh, look at, at at horror and everything. He and his voice even it it just sounds very kind of old fashioned, you know. It's got kind of an old fashioned sensibility about him. Well, it says on his page here he once built a Victorian laboratory, a laboratory, sorry, in their West London home. <laughs> See what and, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this. <laughs> Most of the dialogue in the scene is also lifted directly from the final problem. Which is fantastic when you think about it. Yeah. And good news for the US if they want to, you know, lift it as well. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. His first television scripts he wrote was for a video series called, and I'm going to spell this out because it's it's actually uh, you know initials, was called P R O B E. Video series called P R O B E. Probe. Yeah, to your uh, where that planet was. Yeah. Oh dear lord. A probe to anyway. How's that light over there, Dave? That was a scientific paper I published on the Cotton Collective yes, Facebook yes. page. Yes. Mm. Very civilized meeting. Very interesting thing here with with her with this character, uh, with uh, with her. Okay, notice the children. The you seen the, in that picture. Think back to the. Studying Scarlet, uh, uh, studying Pink, rather the very first episode, the, ba the the cabbie had a picture of children. His wife was torn out of that picture, but the 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 children are the same in that picture. Put two and two together, that juror, the wife, is the banker's wife, the the cabbie's wife. Oh rather. my god! I did not realize that. Put two, yeah. That's fun. Did you just figure that out yourself? Are you reading that from somewhere? Mm, nope. I've known this ever since the episode. This episode aired. Give that man an award. <laughs> So we've got a connection there between the first episode and this episode. Yeah, we have to own up. It, uh, Mike's the real mastermind. <laughs> yeah, why are you not taking anything? Uh, some things that we've missed, which later on you can rewind and look at. Uh, in the first sequence in which various newspaper headlines are shown, one story begins in a twist worthy of a Conan Doyle novella. Mr. Sherlock Holmes was yesterday revealed to be an expert witness at the trial of Jim Moriarty. Nice touch there. Yes. 
And uh, apparently Douglas Wilmer makes an appearance in uh, this episode as an elderly club man. Uh, he actually played Sherlock Holmes in a 60s television adaptation. Oh, Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> as if the crown jewels are not enough to go on with. Because <laughs> right. you can't sell them, that's the point, can you? You never get the money for them. Exactly. It's the uh, mm. the series of uh, Sherlock Holmes he uh, played Sherlock in was uh, from 1964 to 65. Ran for 13 episodes. Ah, mm. oh, you'll mention again the final problem, Mike. Yes. Fall. The Reichenbach fall. Mm. <laughs> See, sometimes this characterization works, other times. Yeah. I find, but I think you're supposed to. I think that's deliberate. Although I didn't, it didn't sit well with me. Mm. Yeah, it, it goes back to the end of the first series you know, when we see Moriarty, and I remember having my doubts and about whether that actually was Moriarty or if that was just somebody Moriarty had hired to pose as him. And uh, this episode plays that out and. You know, mm. it's an interesting take on the character. It's the, the, that portrayal. Yeah, but it's the same as I had with the with the the way the master was portrayed by John mm. Sim again, composite actor, but the way he was presumably asked to play it. Oh, <laughs> don't you just hate <laughs> it? <laughs> By name, I think you should get a bit suspicious when it says you by name. Yeah. <laughs> Guess who? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> it's, it's that black car again. <laughs> Although that yeah. time we didn't see some woman step out, so. Yeah. Diogenes Club, of course. Explain that a bit, Dave. I actually never heard of them before this episode. What? Actually, well, that's the, that, that's the the is uh, Mycroft's club where he's well, actually in Scotland. Oh, okay. But I mean, in, in it, London, oh, okay. yeah, it's in London, I mean, it's I think the the famous one is Whites. I can't remember if it's Whites or Blacks. There's a there's two or three famous clubs, and it's just a okay. A, you know, these ones this... that exclude women and all this kind of thing. In this scene, of course, is somewhere in here is uh, <laughs> Mr. Douglas Wilmer. <laughs> mm. 
It's a, a fictional uh, gentleman's club created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and featured in several Sherlock Holmes stories, most notably the Greek interpreter. Uh, it seems to be named after, what's, what's the name? Diogenes? Diogenes is a, a great god, isn't it? The cynic, yes. Uh, although this isn't ever explained in the original stories. And was co-founded by Sherlock's indolent older brother, Mycroft Holmes. The club has been described by Sherlock Holmes in his stories thus. There are many men in London, you know. Who, uh, <laughs> ah, go to Wikipedia and read it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> There's just too much going on on the screen that I'd like. But it did actually feature in uh, Doctor Who New, uh, the Virgin New Adventures novel, All Consuming Fire, which, is, of course, is a Doctor Who Sherlock Holmes crossover and all. Which people are still wanting a Doctor Who Sherlock crossover nowadays with yes. Moppet to yeah. Please no. I, I think I think I actually I it was the Reform Club that was the original uh, and most important one that was set up in the nineteenth century. Yeah, it is, it is described as a place where men can go without any distractions. And as such, the number one rule is there is no talking to the point where a club member can be excluded for coughing. Mm. The other most yeah. important ones, I've already mentioned whites, is Boodles. Boodles, is it, and Brooks. But mm. go on, Mike. Oh, I was just saying, meanwhile, uh, Watson just runs in and starts shouting all over the yes. place. Why would anyone talk to me? Why? Why? <laughs> I need to get a cab back. The cheek. And just for Megan's benefit, there's also a university women's club which has survived oh. to this day as a single-sex establishment. <laughs> <laughs> it's Aunt Petunia. <laughs> so here's an interesting bit of trivia. The, the, the seal on that wax on the envelope has the image of a magpie. Why is that interesting? Well, look back to the Earlier in the episode, I was going to ask Dave if he could identify the piece of classical music that was playing when the, all those heists were going on. And um, if you couldn't figure it out, that mu the classical music being played was Giochino uh, um, Rossini's uh, The Thieving Magpie. Ah. Was the music that was played. Interesting. So there you go. I just wanted her to speak. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> yeah. 
That's luxury schooling for you. There you go. My whole time at Wanganui Collegiate, I don't think I ever saw inside any of the actual dorm rooms. Yeah, because I was way, a day boy, or as they called them, a day gay. That was a that, that was a lacrosse racket, by the way, that uh, has the, that stick with the netting on the end. It's a lacrosse stick. Brother used to play lacrosse in a team. I've had enough of your shtick. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I was in a couple of the uh, um, common rooms on some of the, the, the boarding houses at Longanui Collegiate, but never did see what the uh, accommodations were like, which is probably for the best. How did you get in? Entered the door. Through the window. Oh, through the window. I got it wrong. That's very reminiscent of uh, Peter <laughs> Davidson's uh, first episode of Doctor Who. Smells the the, the cricket bat. Ah, linseed oil. He told you. Yeah. It's not that much, but enough, a few things. All I learned, I learned from Doctor Who. <laughs> Mind if I have another drink? No, not at all. No, not at all. Somebody has to finish this bottle. Uh-huh. Except it tells us everything. Da 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 dee da 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 do. He's really in that floor. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think we need another time check, I think, Ian. Yes, actually, I was going to give one earlier and completely forgot because uh, I got... And we're right minutes. now at 36 minutes. There we go. Ooh, lunch. Two bags of crisps. Oh, no, no, no. Packet of that was it. Two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because the very first episode, of course, is where we meet Moriarty, wasn't it, with her? Right. Oh, third episode. Third episode, yeah. Oh.
Mm. Mm. <laughs> got a name down yet. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> He's terrible. <sighs> Was Christmas not bad enough? <laughs> Well, there's one good thing about this uh, in comparison to Doctor Who. The Doctor would just lick it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rick <laughs> Sounds like somebody playing like Mario or something. <laughs> it wasn't me this time. Mike, are you oh, let me just switch off? off my Game Boy Advance here. Okay. <laughs> I love that moment that she has there. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Boing. backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. <laughs> But it is a lovely scene. Yeah. Uh, she absolutely steals the scene. Oh, she does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, yeah. don't be nice because it's not you. <laughs> I love the way she just, she, she really actually just kind of cuts him down there. And it's fantastic. She basically says, I can read you and I know what's going on and there's nothing you can say that's, you know, it's, oh, I don't know, it's fantastic. Well, we're back to Mike's emblem, I think. Again, it's, it's, it's worth mentioning here again, Lou Brealey is Molly Hooper. Need to have her in more stuff. That's what was left for the kids. Mm -hmm. Stuff your face with chocolates. Here we go. He's on Google Maps again. Yep. 
Next would be exploring Lower Hutt. Oh. Maybe I'm ready to die skeptical. Yeah, I bet I bet Mike some idiot has asked him to find a coffee house sign at like some place. Like stay out of the garden center. <laughs> stay out of the garden center. <laughs> I hate the fact that they use iPhones in TV shows now because every time the damn thing goes off, I keep thinking it's my phone. <laughs> Like, hang out. Oh, no, hang on. <laughs> that was that was better than his mind palace, that was, wasn't it? Yes, it was. A very subtle thing going on with the lighting there. Yeah. The, the and, light switching back on when he's through. <laughs> and the center of that map was moving with his face in, in sequence, uh, you know, in unison. Yeah, right. I think it did a lot better than the Mind Palace. The Mind Palace was the Mind Palace. It was. It was a bit irksome. Yeah, it was as though they hadn't got this CGI ready, so they went with that. Yeah, <laughs> this was a much better utilization of the whole, you know, him deducting. Interesting <laughs> move into shot there. It's almost uh, like he slid in on a... Yeah, oh, There, it. he licked it for you. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. I don't sound so pleased about it, matey. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. He just turned the color down. <laughs> it's a mighty Granger. No, oh, sorry. Ooh. Interesting. A bit, a bit mind of evil, that. Yeah. And that's something that's not actually addressed in this episode is is what actually happened there. What? Why? She reacted that way. Uh, well, was the assu- person was was the person there wearing a mask? Yeah, that or? was my assumption that whoever was left in the suites wore uh, a Sherlock mask. Oh, and he this was... part of the episode through the next bit of the episode has a lot of nice Easter eggs of that IOU message, <sighs> very cleverly hidden on walls, and they're not not even brought into focus. Let's see if we can find them, viewers. Exactly. There's one on her bra on there. If you look closely at her white shirt. Oh, no, sorry. That's just me. <laughs> Even with my wife present. Yes, I'm terrible. It's like, lucky me. <laughs> she gets to live with me and keep me. Is a keeper. <laughs> oh, it's Doctor Who. No, sorry. It's just a cab. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'll get my own. Uh, don't worry about me. I'll I'll be all right. Never mind. 
we're watching again. And we're only watching yeah, scenery. Yeah, yeah. I'm stopping that work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw a funny face in a minute. Oh, I saw a funny face there. Is it Rose Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> It's a boast a lot. <laughs> Have any of these lot been in spam a lot? <laughs> CSI Baker Street. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, never seen. Now, didn't in the first series we have a thing where, uh, where Watson was warned off Sherlock in terms of she did you know, the the, the off saying he yeah. was a psychotic. Yeah. Yeah, she was telling him her, her thoughts about Sherlock were that he did this for his own reasons. He 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 got off on this. And he would become a psychopath. Mm. My head hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Name dropping. The final (laughs) problem. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the home shopping network. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh dear. So has anyone seen IOU yet? Oh. You've not been oh. looking, have you? <laughs> I've been trying, but I must have missed oh. them. That's a bit naughty. Wait until he shakes his hand. There's <laughs> his DNA all over the bloody place. Uh huh. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two doors down yeah. from us. <laughs> Just not the way he puts that. Oh, he's a big Albanian gangster. That's two doors down. I bought a cup of sugar from him. Which, that's actually a difference between this and the final problem, the, the source material, in that in the original story, what at that this point, Watson had married and was living on his own, and Watson and Holmes rarely saw each other. And uh, here, they still are. What, you mean they weren't in a and civil Watson's partnership? Uh, we didn't have the gay agenda going on there. Oh, right. the, Damn you, Stephen Wilson. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lino, his kitchen floor covering. Linoleum. <laughs> There's yeah. you, Stubbs. Love you, Miss Stubbs. Yeah. I'm in my lady. <laughs> and it's not the best <laughs> one either. <laughs> As you can see, my wife actually pre-watched this, something that I'd never do. 
which shows. Um, <laughs> Black and white one, I think he ought to upgrade. <laughs> Cheap bastard. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Don't you think she looks tired? Oh, yes, there you go. <laughs> it, I mean, it is. It is exactly that. Once you plant that idea, it's hard to then... I mean, it's, it's the same, basically, as internet rumours. You know, you put a rumour out there of, of something something along the lines of, you know, um, Leonard Nimoy supposedly going to direct uh, Back to the Future. And it just circulates and circulates until some, well, somebody thinks it's real. And of course, if the other people deny it, that confirms it. Yeah. yeah. Some people even get their points taken when taken away from them. <laughs> and <laughs> trivia. <laughs> Another time check. Just coming up to 51 minutes. Now, just so you all know that where we're at. Yeah, I might just be two seconds in the future to you. Yeah. People wonder how we do this. <laughs> the time checks aren't just for you at home, folks. <laughs> it's so that Dave doesn't spoil stuff for us. It's to sort out my glitches. <laughs> Megan's watching again. Yeah, and? <laughs> yeah, your point being? <laughs> so, can I put you on the spot then? No, why, what? So, what is it you like about Sherlock? I mean, the actor. Benedict. <laughs> we were having this discussion the other day and I figured it was a good time to bring it up. No. 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 <laughs> what well, what is it with with detectives that that whoever the clever policeman has to be well, Lestrade's is moderately clever. They always have they mind you, he's a bit broad, this one. <laughs> That's him a bit broad, isn't he? It's Tony Pitts, the chief superintendent. Actually, interestingly enough, was also in the movie War Horse, which also featured Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, but it's also in the TV series Scott and Bailey, and actually is uh, stars as Robbie Glover in episode three of Dirk Gently. Oh. So he's well tied in there. And uh, back in 1996, he played Aidan Phillips in Casualty. Casualty. <laughs> all comes around. All comes around. All comes back oh. to Casualty. Oh. 
<laughs> like a fairy tale, you say? A gingerbread nun. That ginger girl you met earlier. <laughs> Sunbathing. Yeah, it's the, the gingerbread group behind it all. <laughs> Leave it, John. <laughs> I love how they use zip ties now, basically. I mean, they're still cuffs, but, you know. No keys, no keys necessary. You just need a knife. Or a pair of scissors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at a nutter. <laughs> oh, well done, John. <laughs> I like the the little twitch of a smirk there. Yeah. Almost smiled. Yeah. Just a <sighs> Like he enjoyed that. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting though, they're now cuffed. Oh. Originally, yeah. when they were upstairs, they put the, uh, the like the zip tie cuffs on them. But now oh, they're well, All right. Well, that's when I suppose they changed it when they had two prisoners. I, you. I saw that one. Yep. <laughs> How many have I missed, Mike? Well, that was the most obvious. There was another one uh, earlier on. It was. To bring these up. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was when Sherlock was in front of the in front of the cabin. He was knocked over, uh, and the, by the by the first assassin, there was one uh, spray painted on the one of the distant walls. Uh, <laughs> Coordination. <laughs> If I see bad wolf on the wall, <laughs> I vote for Saxon. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my new neighbors. Oh, of course we are. That's a good plan. <laughs> it's funny that we still see those red double-decker buses. Are they not used over there anymore? I, th I think there was something... But red double-decker bus is not used so often anymore in London. No, no, no it is. I mean, they're not all red. I uh, mean, okay, buses in that style. Yeah, I, they, know, I heard something about them being phased out or something. Yeah, there, I don't there's, know. A, there's a completely new design that's come out uh, with 
twin staircases now, but uh, I mean, it's going to take ten years to change them all over. Ah, okay. The gentleman that was just killed (laughs) for being somewhere close to uh, Sherlock was uh, Pano Masti, who has been in uh, The Devil's Trouble, uh, Love Confusion, Collision, and Law and Order UK. What was that first one you said? The Devil's what? The Devil's Double. Oh, I was thinking you met, we were talking about that John Sim one because he was in something called the, the Devil's Whore, wasn't he? That was, but that was John Sim. If you ever remember that series, that was set in about the 16th century. So he was on Law and Order UK. I wonder if this continues the trend of the the Five Degrees of Peter Davison. Yes. Ah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Peter Davison is the UK version of Kevin Bacon in terms of that game. Yes. Well. <laughs> mm. I like that extra button in them. Sorry, dear. Sure, you do. <laughs> I see. I'm much more analytical than you. I was thinking she's got a trunk in her room. Is there a dead body in it? <laughs> I think we're going to be uh... Oh look who it is This is the interesting This is where it really mm. does get interesting Because you get mm. You got it wondered if this was all planned, what are the chances of him actually anticipating Sherlock coming to her? Oh, quite high, I would have thought. Mm, yeah. I mean, but it is a a, a a bit of a long shot, really. I mean, yes, you know, she wanted to get the story, but the, the chances of him actually then taking her up on it uh, just... Well, presumably he's keeping in the pretense up to her as well. Right. That's right, John. A spade's a spade. <laughs> Meanwhile, Watson's mind is being broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't believe what you read in the papers, do you? <laughs> I don't know how can you get. an enormous amount of pictures on one wall. Mm. <laughs> I was ever thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's a lot of art all on <laughs> one wall. That wall needs more art. Yes. It goes all the way up to the ceiling. I know. It's like, and there's nothing on the other walls. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> well. well, actually, it's on that wall, too, mm. but I don't mm. think it's... <laughs> He ran out of money dressing the set. Yeah. <laughs> Needs just one more. Yes. Uh. yes, we've got all this unused artwork we've got to uh, account for in the budget. <laughs> we did just stick it in a shot somewhere. Now, I think this uh, I think this did just confuse me. I mean, the whole point was this was supposed to be the payoff for all this crazy acting at the swimming pool. Right. 
because it's going to it, that that the idea that like we said about earlier about the you know planting an idea the seed of the idea that he might not really be Moriarty was placed in our minds early on when he seemed right. to be such you know an irrational type of character he, he didn't seem to be that same person who had uh, you know as soon as anybody uh, like that that uh, tongue woman who uh, who might possibly lead uh, Sherlock to him, you know she gets shot in a bedroom and things like that, and the, right. the ultra cautious nature. I've got a feeling that they slightly switched their their whole thinking on him for series two. Oh, what? Yep, what? I thought I'd froze friend then for a minute. Uh, no. <laughs> We all stopped, frankly. <laughs> I'd say that looks like that's a familiar looking street, like the street they walked down in Doctor Who to go to Martha's house, but I'm sure there's a lot of no, British streets it? that look like that. Yeah, this is well, filmed in London, isn't it? I was thinking of, uh, what was it, from the, the Stolen Earth? Right. With the, with the Daleks lining everyone yeah. up. Well, I think that a lot of this is actually filmed in, in London, correct? Rather than... Yeah, I thought so, yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that hospital that we're in was um, St. Bart's Hospital, I think. So, St. Bartholomew's, which is in London. Well, as with Doctor Who, a lot of this was filmed in Cardiff. Oh, really? What? So, yeah. it is possible then that it was the same yeah. street. Yeah, for, for like earlier on, in the te- what they used as the Tower of London, that was uh, at Cardiff Castle. Uh we had Tredegger House used. We have Cardiff City Hall used. Uh, I, I Barry's around Cardiff actually, Bay. If that was Tredegger House, because uh, that's been used a lot in Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm. No. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> And here we get the payoff, the payoff for the uh, story arc clues that we've had the past two episodes, <laughs> especially at the end of the Hound of the Baskervilles. You and shit. I mean, I have to agree with, uh, on on a lot of levels. The the, the casting in this not necessarily uh, Cumberbatch. I mean, he is brilliant in the part, and he's great. But I mean, Martin Freeman is really awesome <laughs> in this show, and and a bit understated, which is even better. Oh, yes. Because that's that's what I mean. John Watson can't be. You know, larger than life. He no. has to be Mr. It, Ordinary Guy. And I think that takes a lot more as an actor to, to play average, ordinary, 
That's really the role of Watson in the original stories. Watson <laughs> told the stories. That's what how Doyle wrote the stories was Watson relating right. his experiences, and he was the viewer's eye into the into this world. It's you know we we get this com- comparison of Doctor Who and Sherlock. It's the same thing with the with the companion. The companion out of is my head, man. Stay out of my head. <laughs> you know the companion has the the viewer's eye into the Doctor. Watson is the viewer's eye into Sherlock. As you were saying that, I'm I'm getting ready to say, just Doctor Who. The way they yeah. explain the companion, it's like yep. Dang it. Yep. Now, it's interesting. I was just reading over some of the critical reception to this episode, and uh, let's see here. Sam Wollaston for The Guardian wrote that this episode is faithful to uh, to Doyle's uh, The Vinyl Problem, and sometimes it'll wonder, taking in phone, mobile phone technology, computer hacking, but it doesn't feel like cheating, more like an open relationship agreed by both parties. And then he goes on to comment about how this episode explores the, the relationships between... Uh, now, that, yeah, I've got to jump in here. That, yeah, because now we're getting into an, but, the yeah. important parts of the episode. That scene of him sitting on the floor throwing the ball is, is Steve McQueen in The Great Escape, right? When Steve McQueen is put in solitary confinement for trying to escape and he throws, he spends the time throwing the ball against it. And that's the germ of the idea that Sherlock will get of how to cheat the situation. Yeah, the, the ball... ball. Right. That's yes. That's why I pointed this out. And also earlier, if you were watching, when his conversation with Molly, she said anything, anything you need, uh-huh. I will give it to you. I will give myself to you. I think is the way she actually put it. Um, I'm yours <laughs> for the taking. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. Those two things really kind of lead right into this. In the fact that we see, keep the seeing answer, that ball yeah, in focus. The answer is right in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they keep focusing on that. Even though Sherlock may not have formulated it properly himself yet. Right. Oh, yeah, this is. Yeah. We set this up. Also, I'm assuming the viewers listening and listening to the to us know how this plays out. In the aftermath, Moffat was giving clues, being cryptic about how Watson, what uh, what Holmes actually did, and he said to watch for Holmes doing something that's very un-Holmes, very uncharacteristic of himself. Yeah, and he said it's all there on screen, no mm-hmm. tricks. Mm-hmm. In other words, if if you if if you spot it, it's not something that they're going to sort of do. In. But I, oh, I, I remember thinking, nice geez. callback right there. Uh, nice Barry, callback um, to the season opener. Uh, one of the BGs, by the way, has just come out of a coma. Barry. Oh, he came out of a coma. He's come out oh. of a coma. The, the doctors are, uh, uh, and I don't think he's at Saint Bartholomew's Hospital. But wouldn't it be right. neat if he was? <laughs> Not really for him, but you know, no, but, I know uh, what you mean. No, I mean he's come out of his coma, so oh, he's no. being treated well. It w- and indeed, he is. So are you, lad? Gibbs recovery confounds doctors. Robin Gibb yep. in hospital in London. 
Maybe hmm? Saint Luke's Hospital. Maybe he's at oh, Saint Mark's. The London Clinic, Central London. Oh. Uh, just a note here, the scenes shot on the, the roof of St. Bart's are physically different from the uh, street view of the same area. And the rooftop scenes, the front ledge of the building is about 20 feet wide from the street. The ledge is about 80 feet wide. Ah... <laughs> you got that too. The, the code. So it's fantastic. bit that Dave doesn't like when he goes a bit off his head yeah there's that bit there it's it, it is good that he spots Sherlock's weakness here the right. weakness, the, the the weakness being that he will always look for overcomplicated. Right. Why? The weakness is is is, is people. He's just yeah, well, that as honestly. well. Yeah. Yeah, it's that Sherlock feigning surprise. How are you with heights, Ian? Uh, awful with them, actually. Yeah, he's not good at all. No. I'm good if I know if I'm perfectly secure. You know, I told off my dad once. We went, went once went up this this hill, this big. You know, it was a big hill, big mountain kind of thing, and it had a road all the way up. And of course, driving on the outside of it, and all you can see is straight down. But Dad told me off because I, I wouldn't look out the window. You see the ILU then in the background, by the way. No, I did not. I missed it was that. on the side it's of that wall. You see how they were how they're hiding these? <laughs> yeah, you see, you see well. it, that's one of those things. It's like I was doing a, a memory thing, so I was looking off to one side. There's actually a thing about that. You can look it up on the internet. Um, that, that apparently, depending on what part of your memory you're accessing you will look a certain direction. Your eyes will go into a certain, they'll either go up to the left or up to the right, down to the left, down to the right, depending on what kind of memory you're accessing. Well, yes, I can guess which way your eyes are going. Never mind. 
<laughs> well, mine's went up to the left, so I'm thinking it's a visual memory. Now, this is a rooftop scene where you've got to try and figure out who really is the cleverest. Who really is in control of the situation. And here, of course, we're diverging from the, the final problem because in the final problem, we didn't see that confrontation between Moyarty and Holmes. Because the stories are told from Watson's perspective, Watson is off on his own at this part of the story. Isn't Watson at the bottom of the falls and sees them struggling at the top? He doesn't. He doesn't see them struggling. The he sees the. Yeah, he doesn't see them struggling. He sees the aftermath. He sees a note. He sees right. footprints. Oh, that's right. Leading up, but he doesn't uh, see. And then, then he surmises what's happened. Yeah. He, well, he finds a letter that yeah. Holmes wrote. So, the assumption is that both Holmes and Moriarty died by by falling down Reichenbeck Falls. It was a price worth taking, uh, making to to take that man out of the world. Uh -huh. It's an interesting scene. This. Which is an interesting play on what you were just saying, Mike, about the, the original story of the, the, you know, this is one way to take him out. Um, in a way, this is a, a kind of reversal of that, really, when you think about it. Yeah, it's Moriarty's uh, aim, isn't it? Moriarty's aim is to, to, to get rid of, you know, Sherlock out of the equation. There's only one surefire way to do that. Yeah. And we've completely forgotten to do that. Uh, coming up on the time check, uh, one hour, 16 minutes. And 30 seconds, Mark. Spot on. There you go. These used to be up to Dave, but, you know... <laughs> We we get watching this, and it's it's really really difficult to pinpoint an actual time to do these. You never know when somebody might do something silly, or stupid, or amazing. Ah, uh, yes, boing. Now, what happened the last time you shook someone's hand? Yeah. <laughs> 
Suddenly. Oh. Yes, that's... Now, you see, that's what I couldn't believe. Not that he wouldn't... He wouldn't... Not not that he wouldn't kill himself to have Sherlock killed, but he would want to be there to see it happen. Right. I mean, I guess the big question there is, A, we didn't see, we didn't, I mean, we saw kind of what happened. We saw, but then we saw the body fall and the blood. That's easily faked. He didn't check, so far as we know. He did not check his pulse. Right. Is Moriarty really dead? That's the big question, I guess. Because despite what we see here, we know... I mean, of course, at the end of this episode, we know that he survives. But, I mean, the, the question, of course, is, and what we're waiting to see next series is how he did it. Uh, the question is, is Moriarty, how did he did it? do it? Because I don't believe he's gone. Well, he could have fired through his neck rather than into his brain. So it came out the back of his neck. Sherlock did kind of fling back. What's interesting here is I'm noticing you're asking a different question than I might expect. You're not, you're not asking, was it actually Moriarty? That's not our question anymore. At least not my question I anymore. Think so. I think he is Moriarty. I don't... Yeah, I was convinced by that scene right there on the rooftop that that, that was yeah. Moriarty. And a reason why I think Moriarty did off himself there is the fact that the final problem, as I said earlier, is the only story to feature Moriarty, and Moffat is staying pretty true to the to the story to the stories. He's too good to get rid of, though. He's too much fun. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that comes to mind is if you've ever seen a film called The Sting, without spoiling it, mm. uh, the the big thing about a con is you never want to get the, the other person to think they're being conned and you're still alive. Because if if they think they're being conned and you're still alive, they'll carry on hunting you for the rest of your life. So the only way to stop them chasing you is for them to be convinced you're dead. It's hard to talk at all during this, because... Yeah, indeed. It's... So many clues that could possibly be hidden here. Yeah. Just watch out for a few double-decker buses in a minute. Or a person on a bike. Well. Whatever will be revealed in the next series is in, if I know Stephen Moffat and Margaritis, that it's all in here. Right. Whatever they intend to pick this up on is all in here because they will then focus in on the scene when we come back. They yeah. won't skimp on. They won't just like gloss over and say, "Well, you know, oh, I, I did this." Ta-da! No, you'll find out exactly how he pulled this off. It, it, it's like a magician revealing his tricks. They really want you to know. <laughs> Mm. You really do, because they want you to know how entirely clever they are by doing this. Here we go.
Now that there was a cut there. There was indeed. The person on the bike. That's another thing. Right. Oh, right there. That's, right there. that's to slow him down. That. Not just slow him down. Disorient him. Yeah. Because he he went, he hits his head. Yeah. So he's not seeing clearly. Right. Also, it gives people enough time for other people to get around him. Right. See, we're analyzing this because right. it's it's worth analyzing because, like we said, this is where we're going to pick up when we come back um, in another what year, year and a half. Yeah, they're not set to start filming until early next year, right. January. Yeah, so it's going to be a while. So, uh... which I assume they already have this other part filmed there. Well, the buses are gone now. I thought the buses were still there at that point. In other words, so that when you saw him fall, the last is, part was obscured by the buses. But is his, is his arm bent? I think it must be. I don't know where I got this from. Might have been you, Dave. I don't know. But the ball, if you hold it in the crook of your arm there. Yeah, that's well it, known. It can impair the, the pulse. But I, I think it was brought up during... Uh, yeah, it, you can slow, you, slow your pulse. This. Yeah, you can slow down your pulse in your arm so so it's not noticeable. Right. I, mean, I guess and the big also, question is how he survived the fall in those split seconds. And uh, also notice that they're actually carting the body off. Mm-hmm. Which well, I... As quick as they can, yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's a, a crime scene in a sense. Yeah, yeah. It's a crime scene. They wouldn't... They wouldn't necessarily... They're rushing it inside. But then again, it's on the top of St. Bart's. Uh, so it's kind of like somebody falls outside of St. Bart's, they'll come pick you up. Yeah. Well, so if you're I, I have a heart attack, I'd have it outside of St. Bart's. And of course, he, uh, Sherlock knows that he, uh, John has to believe he's dead. Mm-hmm. So that they uh-huh. believe he's dead. But I, I had the imagination that the buses were still there. So that when he falls from the building, the last. 10, 20 feet of obscured. And I was assuming that they'd like, out of the buses, they'd bring like these big mattresses. So he actually lands on those. By the time uh, John has been recovered, they've yeah. rolled him off the mattresses and the mattresses have gone in the buses, then the buses move away. Right. The buses are there when he falls. Uh, they yeah. pull away right after. Notice well, the, the uh, suicide fake of genius... Huh, barefoot, interestingly enough. That's what his next role will be. Barefoot as a hobbit. It's all there, folks. It's all on the screen. The drunker you get, the clearer it is. Back to the opening scene. So, Sully Sparrow, when the rain stops, that's when I'll be dead. <laughs> Life is short. And you are hot. That was for my wife, not Dave, by the way. I feel a, a civil... Uh, a civil... Uh, uh, <laughs> civil ceremony. <laughs> the other way, I bet there'd be some wag, you know, in the, in uh, America who think, can you be married to a woman and have a civil partnership with a man at the same time? <laughs> this is this is I love the oh, same. Yeah. 
Stop whispering on love. Especially her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually that Oh, I love Eunice Stubbs. <laughs> She's perfect for this. I mean, I can't imagine anybody. I think she just does such a good job of of uh, the character. She makes it something. You're not just a, uh, not just a role. You know, she fleshes out the character. <laughs> it's hard not to laugh. Because it's just seen. Don't be dead. Yeah. Uh, the the slightly odd part about this is that finding a uh, a place to actually have a burial in London, uh, like as rare as hen's teeth, cost you about fifty thousand pounds to find a plot in London. Well, they don't actually say it's London. It looks a little uh, out of town. Yeah, it does. Filming for that was done at Newport Cemetery in oh. Cardiff. Near Cardiff. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, Freeman's acting throughout has been superb, but here is just lovely. Mm-hmm. It's not overdone. It's still keeping in character quite simplistic and restrained. You know, very uh, army-like. We'll be in a moment. There you go. Uh, See, straighten up. Uh, straight back. See, look at the turn. Military. Miss- I love that. Yeah. Military turn, and he marches off. Just, mm. God, that's brilliant. Mm. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. I didn't really notice it the first time watching. Uh, I well, it hello. Who's watching there? Yep. Now, I'm wondering whether there was big debates about whether to have that little last bit in or not. Well, as soon as, right after this episode aired, Stephen Moffat went on Twitter and confirmed that, yes, series theory had been confirmed. And actually, if you look back at press material, uh, when series three, two and three were confirmed at the same time. Right. So uh, we knew series three was, so, so if they ended it with, without that last bit there, with implying Sherlock was dead, this confirmation of Series 3 would just ruin that. Yeah, that so so, so you don't think they ever edited, edited that without him in there? Nope. Okay. nope. They, yeah, they had that. that was, but since they had the confirmation of Series 3, they couldn't end it any other way. Well, um, this is, of course, our wrap-up of... of... The last episode. (laughs) Calm down, sir. Calm down. (laughs) Bit of British stiff upper lip, would you? All right, I'm going to go first. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's so much to uh, kind of digest in this episode and a lot that I missed the first time around and (laughs) going by what I've been told the second time around as well. So I think another another viewing may be in order. Maybe when my father-in-law yeah, was over. Yeah, without uh, idiots talking all over it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn you idiots, including myself. Um, I, again, I mean, as an actor, and I don't mean that as a, oh, I'm an actor. It's I, I do community theatre. 
but as such, I do love watching actors um, do their stuff. Uh, to paraphrase <laughs> Toby Haddock, um, it, it's great to watch uh, really awesome performances in in TV, and people really kind of getting in there, and and everybody is really great in this. Um, down to even the smallest characters, Lestrade. I mean, he barely appears really when you consider the amount of time he's been in the entire series. It's probably about half an hour, I'd say. Uh, great performance. Um, Molly. <laughs> Molly, that uh, Lou really is perfect in this. Uh, that, that that scene with between her and Sherlock, she just nails it. And she just totally owns that scene and owns Sherlock in such a short space of time. She she just basically knocks him down and, and says, I can I can read you. Uh, it doesn't matter how brilliant you are. I can see exactly what's on your face and what you're thinking. And it, all the way out to, to when she's walking out the door, she just completely has control of Sherlock. Um, and again, you know, this it, it's all down to the acting, I think. Um, even even uh, uh, Vinette Robinson is is Sally Donovan. I mean, we saw her all the way back in the first episode, where she she tells Watson um, to to watch out for him because he's a psychopath, and and she thinks that you know it, it's all brought back into here, but it's believable because she carries it off. Um, yeah, that's what I love about this show. The stories are great and the writing is great, but the performances are excellent, and and that's what I look forward to in this. Uh, Benedict and and and, uh, and Martin Freeman are. You don't question, I guess, for one second that they are Holmes and Watson, which is the brilliant part of it. We've we've brought the story forward into into uh, the present day, and with these two in the lead roles you don't really kind of even question the fact that we're watching a modern day Sherlock Holmes. And it's really kind of, I guess if, I guess when this was in the, in the planning stages, people are like, Oh, this is never going to work. Modern day Sherlock Holmes. You know, we've only ever tried that in the cartoon. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's what I love about this. Uh, the acting, uh, this episode is, is great. It sets everything up for, really pulling an audience into the next series because we've handled quite a lot of the big stories already and uh, and now we need to kind of keep the series running and, and it's great we get three episodes a year or every year and a half and uh, it's the way it's kind of the way I like my British TV it keeps you hanging and, and you, you just want more and you just have to be patient Mike Hmm, I'm noticing here uh, the, at the the actual location that uh, Doyle based uh, that the Reichenbach falls on in the fi- the final problem in the real life location of that on the the waterfall. There's a plaque there marking uh, the location. There, there's an inscription written in English, German, and French, and the English part reads, "At this fearful place, Sherlock Holmes vanquished Professor Moriarty on four, the fourth of May, eighteen ninety one." That's fantastic. Rather neat there, but uh, yeah, this this episode, the uh, the Reichenbach Fall, 
this was the episode, you know, the, the rivalry between Moriarty and Holmes, those two classic antagonist-protagonist pairings. Uh, how is that going to play out? Because, you know, going back to the end of last season, uh, the first series with the, the end of the, the long game or whatever the, the, that episode is called, the, the, the poolside confrontation wrapped up very quickly at the, at the beginning of this series when Moriarty said, you know what, I'm, we'll get back to this later. I'll leave you for now, and uh, here we are. This is the this is that confrontation, and wow, it, this uh, this episode was just very well done, especially the last what twenty twenty five, the last half hour of the episode. There, everything leading up to the, the rooftop confrontation. Just, I love this episode, and uh, of course, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of similarities in plot with series six of Doctor Who. And this episode, and I'm assuming you've seen the listeners have seen series six of Doctor Who and know that in both series six of Doctor Who and this, we have the Doctor and Sherlock, which are you know similar characters. The Doctor based on based on Holmes. Uh, we have his implied death at the beginning of series six and the Impossible Astronaut. Uh, we have we have that the Doctor dying, and uh, we have Amy and Rory seeing the death there. We have this episode opens with Watson telling his, his therapist about uh, Holmes dying and convinced of his death. And this episode, this whole episode is leading up to how does that play out? And, you know, we get that confrontation. And uh, the, the whole thing is that Sherlock has risen too too much in fame. He's become, become too visible. He's become too popular. He's become too famous, too much in the public eye. And at the start of the episode, uh, we had, you know, Watson saying to, to Holmes that, the, the press will eventually turn on turn on you. The the press will eat you eventually, and that's exactly that's similar to what happened there. You know, his believers, people at the at the police force, turned on him, started doubting him, and that's and we got the downfall. And and uh, Watson, that that and Watson, you know, seeing this, seeing Holmes fall, you know, the the Reichenbach fall. We get that title and. But it's basically Holmes realizing that he has to disappear from the public eye, and that's part of his plan there, apparently, to to dis- disappear. And we get that that's sort of the same thing with Doctor Who series six, is that the Doctor was becoming too powerful. He, he was be- becoming too famous with his enemies across time and space, and leading up to the Doctor apparently dying. But then at the both series six and this episode end with the Doctor and Sherlock. We see, hey, they're not dead; they're still alive. But except we don't know how Holmes fudged things. We don't know how Holmes survived. You know, we know how the Doctor did, but we don't know yet how Holmes did. And I'm sure there wasn't a Tesselecta involved here. <laughs> At least I'm hoping not, Moffat. Yes, damn you, Moffat. Damn you. But anyway, yes. yeah, this episode. Oh, I was. It was a very satisfying conclusion to this. Uh, of course, as, as I said. As I've said in earlier commentaries, I had my doubts at the end of series one. If that actually was Moriarty, uh, those doubts were gone with this episode. That was Moriarty. He's gone. And I'm kind of glad because there were more villains in the Holmes canon than uh, Moriarty. It's just Moriarty's the the most famous. Yeah. So basically to sum this up, because I could go on for hours on this, but uh, yeah, this episode, I loved it. Can't wait to see how series three opens to find out how, how Holmes cheated. And I'll leave it there. Excellent. Um, just to interject there, I'm not sure if Moriarty's dead. Part of me hopes he is, because, like you said, there's plenty of other villains that's that's in the Sherlock Holmes canon. Uh, part of me's like, it's hard to get, get rid of a, a 
really good TV villain when there's always the option of bringing him back. But it's always, sometimes it's a bad thing as well. So, yeah, two minds. Uh, let's see. We'll go to Megan next. Okay. <laughs> loves, <laughs> loves it when I call on her for, for to the yeah. end. Yeah, and surprisingly, I really don't have much to add to this. I agree with what both of you have said. I really did enjoy this episode. Um, it was a nice little wrap up. You know, you still want more to find out what's going on, how he cheated, everything. Oh, I just—I don't know. I think I'm gonna have to leave it at that. I don't know what else to say. I enjoyed the series, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what's up next. See, I, don't, I just like listening to her voice, to be honest. <laughs> and for any of you who don't know how we met, we met over the internet, and we talked over the phone a lot. So her voice really does it for me. Anyway, Dave, quick, save me from this embarrassing personal moment. <laughs> well, uh, just to take Megan's last point there about uh, uh, she, she, she doesn't know how he cheated it. Uh, but I think the whole point is, as long as uh, it was Sherlock cheating it and not Sherlock, are the writers of Sherlock, cheating us. Uh, and I think that's not going to be the case. I think they 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 have expressed this idea that you know the things are going to be on screen. There are one or two points that that I spotted as a possible way out. Not necessarily saying that that would be the way out. Mentioned it before. Um, but uh, as to Moriarty, um, I think he needs to have gone for, for two or three reasons. One, because I wasn't entirely happy uh, with the way. In the second series, they seem to change the way they portrayed him. Because in the first one, I mean, even if anybody whispered his name, they got killed or topped. And then the next minute is coming out, exposing himself to explosives. And uh, even to a point where, you know, uh, Sherlock had a, a gun pointed at him, which didn't seem to gel with me how they'd used the... Uh, the the, manip the manipulative spider in the web idea of series one. The other thing is, of course, if they're going to be remaining somewhat faithful to the original Sherlock, uh, then Moriarty should be dead at this point. And if they both survive, then I really do think as though you're doing this... Um, and we've talked about it on other... Well, this is not science fiction, but another drama where... Uh, death is getting cheated virtually on every TV series, no matter what the genre, almost too often now. Uh, I've got a feeling that there might be a, a whole generation of people growing up thinking that death isn't real, you know, I mean, uh, because uh, it, it, there always seems to be a get-out clause. Um, the acting is superb. Um, last week's episode, not so hot on, although... To be fair, it was internally consistent, and they did explain things, uh, but definitely back to form with this episode. Um, one of the things that surprised me somewhat with this series too is, I mean, we've 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 jumped through quite a large part of the Sherlock Holmes canon in just two se in basically six episodes. So if we if we want, and I quite I do agree with Ian that. Um, uh, although these are very sparsely given out, of course they are full-length TV movies, so we can't expect, you know, uh, you can't expect 12 one-and-a-half-hour movies a year. It just isn't possible. Uh, 
But on the other hand, they do seem to be scooting through the, the Sherlock Holmes material pretty quick. I would have thought we'd have got to the end of series three or four before they got to the actual, uh, you know, confrontation and uh, fi final solution with Sherlock and Moriarty. And then to bring it back, certainly Sherlock from the dead after that. So very, very slick. Uh, what I do like about it is that they are continually refining the way they have those edits and cuts while yet, uh, you know, developing on the the premise and the, the mood and the style that was so clearly set down. Uh, apart from something like Life on Mars, it's very rare that you see these series that really from the very, what's the American term, the get-go, uh, they've basically got all all the elements of a program in place. They've got the strong cast, they've got the strong supporting cast, they've got the stylistic look, they've got the colouring, right, the grading of the the, the video, the uh, the the whole uh, musical background, the, um, uh, the the sort of text gimmicks and so on. But they have been slowly evolving, keeping our interest. Much preferred, by the way, that. Um, Google map look when he's thinking rather than the uh, the mind palace of last week which seemed to me to be a, a slightly botched thing. So all in all absolutely uh, wanted a series three. Uh, Martin Freeman yeah uh, this is one of his standout episodes um, and in fact all the cast really bring their A game to it and uh, well we just have to wait and watch. I can't see anybody uh, being at this point in the series and having watched season one and two, not eagerly anticipating series three. All right. I yeah. actually have one more quick thing to add. Not a it's, it's, it's the, about the conclusion of the stories and their original intended purpose. Of course, when Doyle wrote the final problem, he intended that to be the final Sherlock story. He was he was done with the story. At that time, his personal beliefs had changed from what they were, and he was ready to move on to his own, to, to what he considered more serious and more realistic uh, liter literary pursuits. And, uh, you know, he wrote this story to be the last one, and, and he at, at, there's no indication at the end of the final problem that that Holmes actually survived. At the end, it was implied that Holmes, Holmes and Moriarty were both dead, which is interesting. It's an interesting contrast to this episode, knowing you know we're getting series three, so you know we get that last that last five seconds or so with with seeing Holmes still alive that he that he survived. Uh, so it's it's, a, it's an interest, interesting difference. Doyle intended that to be the last Holmes story. Of course, he the, the public demanded that he write more, so he did. Uh, and so he brought the character back much to his uh, uh, you know, better judgment. Uh, so basically, Doyle didn't want to write anymore. He w wanted that to be the end. Moffat and crew, however, they knew they were going to be making a third series. So it's an interesting dichotomy there that I wanted to point out. Okay. Excellent. So, yeah, that brings to the end our commentary on the current series of Sherlock. Uh, join us, of course, when we cover the next series, whenever that comes out. Uh, but until then, of course, we'll have other commentaries for you to listen to for your listening pleasure. And there's always really? old ones. Listening pleasure. Yeah. Yes, there's always old ones. There's always our back 
catalog as well. Yes, we've done plenty. We've done uh, a lot of Doctor Who, uh, some Life on Mars, and uh, yes, Jekyll. Sure. Some, I think we've done all. Yes, we've done all of Life on Mars. Uh, <laughs> some Doctor Who, uh, not a lot of classic, but hey, don't hold that against us. But until next time, there's nothing more to say then. It's goodbye from Mystery M. It's goodbye from Randall Thor. And it's goodbye from Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. I owe you. I thought he was going to say, I love you then for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Recording has ended. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.